You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Our guest today is Dr. Nels Ewaldson, and he will be talking about restorative interventions for acute caries. Dr. Ewaldson owns and operates Conservative Dental Solutions, a private dental practice in Waveland, Indiana. And Dr. Ewaldson was the former director of new technologies at GC America and clinical research director for Densply Prosthetics. He is a published author and lecturing clinician with a primary focus on the atraumatic management of acute caries using fluoride compounds and fluoride-releasing restoratives. Dr. Ewaldson, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. It's great to be here, Phil. Thank you. My pleasure. So um, what clinical conditions represent acute caries? Both the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry and the American Dental Association have statements that are defining these conditions. Uh, This most recent acute caries condition is termed or is applied to the the lesion progression rate and the number of active lesions combine to mean this is a situation that demands immediate attention. And in children, caries is the most infectious childhood disease. And we used to consider it a disease of childhood, but as we age and retain our teeth longer with root surface exposure, adult caries continue to be a problem. And So going back to the Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, any lesion in a child up to age six, any decayed, missing, or filled tooth up to age six is childhood caries, Mm -hmm. which is is not a significant problem if other safety net factors are in place. But when we see severe early childhood caries or acute caries in a child, that's a sign of any smooth surface lesion even a white spot in a child three years of age or younger. Any time between the ages of three and six that the child's DMFT score is greater than the age of the child, that is an acute condition. Mm-hmm. And when those patients first appear in the practice, the immediate goal should be to stabilize the oral condition, preserve pulp vitality, and fill the cavities. We're going to put out the fire, get a tarp over the roof, and then we're going to start rebuilding the house. The Atraumatic restorative treatment technique is perfectly suited for expeditiously and inexpensively addressing acute caries. Yeah, that, that's actually my next question. So it's important to identify that the situation is acute, like you said, because that's what you want to get after quickly. Um, something that's chronic or ongoing is not a dire emergency, but in a child, you certainly want to know what is going on in the mouth pathologically that's acute. And I assume that's what this is all about. So tell us a little bit about um, atraumatic restorative treatment. Atraumatic restorative treatment, and the pediatric dentists prefer this to be called alternative restorative treatment. Um, it It is a patient-friendly approach because it's typically done without local anesthetic. It was introduced by the World Health Organization more than 25 years ago for restorative treatment to be provided in field settings. So these were kiddos that had no access to care, no modern infrastructure for dental equipment, and it expanded to include from deciduous and permanent teeth to include various surface restorations, although we'll talk about some of the limitations as we progress. Mm -hmm. But the art technique employs only hand instrumentation to excavate the caries, and then a glass ionomer cement mixture is pressed into the cavity. And as that cement begins to harden, we have to protect it from excess saliva. It is a water-based dental cement, and we'll carve and contour it as the filling progressively hardens. This this kind of evolved because the actual setting for this acute care was, was in a situation where there wasn't um, 
a full office supply of armamentarium? That's exactly correct. Um, Interesting. Knowing yeah. that extraction was the only possible treatment, these teeth that were curiously involved would be allowed to uh, continue their disease process until extraction was required. So they took materials, including polycarboxylate cement, uh, autopolymerizing resins, different types of composites, and said, what can we find that we could put in here just to buy a little bit of time to perhaps give this patient an opportunity to receive restorative care? And it was the glass ionomers that outperformed all the other materials, exchanging fluoride with the tooth and saturating the saliva with available fluoride. So, These cements could be carved yeah, during setting. Mm -hmm. So it was almost an inadvertent experiment that, that occurred where it, it was almost it, something you had. It was, deliberate. Mm -hmm. it was deliberate in that they wanted to be able to offer something other than extraction. Um, and there were reported successes, albeit very limited, with using traditional dental materials in non-traditional settings. It just so happens that the glass ionomer cement ended up being the material that worked best, and that's what is used today. Mm -hmm. So how, how effective is this? Uh, what we, do you, is the acronym ART, or is it called ART? Or, or I know it's referring to atraumatic restorative treatment. ART is the reference? Atraumatic restorative treatment with the ART reference usually precedes technique. So when we talk about ART technique, when you... Google that, for instance, that is more likely to lead you to the atraumatic restorative treatment technique. And with that technique, like we mentioned just a few minutes ago, no local anesthetic injection, no rotary instrumentation. So it is patient friendly. And we can have survival of small. These have to be conservative, but there are small spoon excavators that can get into these conservative lesions. The earlier you find them, the better because if multiple surfaces of teeth are involved, the survival goes down. But at six years, these occlusal fill seal type restorations that were just finger pressed glass ionomer into spoon excavated caries lesions performed at the rate of 70% success. And that requires some moisture contamination that isn't easy to do in a field setting. But as we've applied ART technique to Modern settings, our survival goes up considerably. Class three restorations will work. Class two restorations, edge chipping and marginal breakdown will be seen after a couple of years. Class one restorations that are conservative, and of course, class five perform very, very well for many years. So it's a patient-friendly approach that has led to what we now call interim therapeutic restorations when we're working on a patient that requires some special consideration. Right. So the success rate of this, you're applying this to deciduous teeth and also permanent teeth, correct? That is correct. Yeah. So what defines a success on a child that has this treatment? Carries the rest with no pulpal involvement. And it is amazing. We, we try to get a clean cavo surface margin. We try to get clean cavity walls. And that can take some time with a spoon excavator. So in a modern dental setting, when we can use limited rotary instrumentation, it speeds up the process. But what many states have now done, they are allowing training programs where dental hygienists can be certified to place these <clears throat> interim therapeutic or ART technique fillings. And the yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it, this is a fascinating topic because it, it's so uh, easy to, when you're using a rotary instrument to, to go deeper than you really want to or you need to 
But in this case, you're scraping with a hand instrument, so it's it's as conservative as you're going to get. And then in the case where hygienists are doing it by law, they they are restricted from using rotary applications. Right. But if you get a clean cable surface margin, you are able to leave a little bit of residual caries, and we're going to call that caries affected dentin, mm-hmm. not caries infected dentin. We would like to have all the carious pod peeled clean, but we want to get a rest of the lesion and preserve pulp vitality. And as long as the cable surface margin is sealed, what happens pulpally can still show up on a radiograph as a rarefied area, but there's not active disease in those as long as the cable surface margin is sealed. And what, what happens if there's some infected dentin that's left? You know, the hand instrument can only do so much, and I, I, I'm assuming that it's quite effective in re- <clears throat> removing the infected dentin, but it, let's just say the curvature of the, uh, where the whatever form cavity prep that's created by the hand instrument, you can't get into some small little area and there's decay there. Uh, may, although it's very small amount of decay, there's some. If you seal up the cable surface margin with a glass enamer, you're saying that that still could be successful? It can be successful, but it's not optimal dentistry. So some kind of a microbial control. The conditioner, it's a mild polyacrylic acid solution, is bacteriostatic and somewhat bactericidal. So getting rid of the smear layer through a quick rinse process, and if we're working in a field setting, the child just swishes and expectorates, then you blot the lesion dry. We can use high-volume evacuation in a three-way syringe in a modern setting, but you do want to clean the cavity. If you want to use chlorhexidine, that helps. It doesn't interfere with the bond strength. We're also using some of these silver diamine and other um, antimicrobial treatments on the floor of the cavity. But typically, I will code the procedure if it's in a deciduous tooth, and I worry that we're going to have to make a re-entry, progressive removal of caries, at some point inside the reimbursement interval for that restoration, I will code that as either a protective restoration, D2940, or an interim therapeutic restoration, D2941, when it's in a deciduous tooth. And that's my marker in the chart that we didn't get as clean a cavity preparation as we would like, but we expect disease to still be arrested. We just monitor that tooth a little bit closer. Yeah, okay, so that was kind of leading into my next question, and you kind of partially answered that, but feel free to elaborate further because we still have another four minutes left to this. What differentiates interim therapeutic restorations and protective restorations, or what's commonly referred to as a sedative filling? Um, The interim therapeutic restoration only applies today to a deciduous tooth. Okay. And that is because the Academy of Pediatric Dentistry defined use of ART technique for ITRs. And when a deciduous tooth is involved cariously, we need to expeditiously intervene, but we don't have patient cooperation or it's a special needs patient. If if we can only do so much at that setting, we want to do something. We code that as an ITR, Interim Therapeutic Restoration D2941. If it's a permanent tooth and it's intended to sedate a problem and the tooth has pulpitis, if there's sensitivity to cold, if we can elicit a reliable, immediate response to cold. Sometimes we'll tell the patient, you're better off with an with a zinc oxide and eugenol IRM type material because we need the abundant effect. And that requires mechanical retention and there's no fluoride release. But the the sedative filling 
used to be called, uh, it's now a protective restoration. It used to be called sedative filling. It's now a protective restoration is the true term for it. And that can be either glass ionomer or a zinc oxide eugenol IRM type material. Right. So that, that's not therapeutic, really. It's, it's really, uh, it's, it's an interim step into going to the next level, right? Which, which hopefully if it's, if it's a reversible pulpitis, hopefully the tooth would settle down and the patient would not need endodontic treatment. But if it doesn't, then it's endodontics. Yes, that's correct. If, if the tooth is sensitive to the point that we elect not to put an acid-based setting, glass ionomer cement in it, while they're not irritating, they don't light up pulps, but if there's already inflammation present, the obtundant or numbing effect of the clove oil, the eugenol, is an advantage that uh, IRMs still have over glass ionomers for protective restorations. Well, I appreciate all the information, Dr. Ewaldson. This is fascinating stuff, how this all evolved from being out there in situations where young people kids didn't have the access to care. And by the way, this whole uh, art, this atraumatic restorative treatment extends the access to dental care in some ways, right? Just from the standpoint of affordability and the ability to get the right dental materials in the, in the setting of where the patient is being treated. It has been estimated by friends and colleagues that I have affiliated with World Health Organization that we are now well into the billions of teeth that have Incredible. been preserved in the human mouth using a traumatic restorative treatment technique. Wow. And so, <clears throat> yes, it not only expands access to care on a global scale, but inside our own offices, the number of acute caries cases that walk in and will treatment plan those cases to see the endodontist or to have pulp <laughs> therapy done when, in fact, if we could jump in Using our dental auxiliaries, I've got a hygienist who is also an expanded functions dental assistant and two expanded function dental assistants, and there's not a day that goes by that we don't find an opportunity to place glass ionomer, and it's economic. Patients will sometimes say, well, what's my next step? Your next step is let's focus on what really needs to be done because we've put out the fire here. We've saved you enough money with this one tooth that let's go in and do some other treatments. We'll keep our eye on this. We'll come back to it. But uh, that's why having a cement mixture like Voco's ionomolar is fantastic stuff because there's two to uh, twice as much material in a capsule as there is anybody else's glass ionomer. So what's typically the name of, what's the name of that product? That's Voco's Iono Star Molar. And ionostar molar is a highly viscous glass ionomer that can be easily manipulated, finger-pressed into the cavity, carved while it's setting, even multiple surface restorations. We often don't use a matrix band because if you catch it at the gel phase, you can run dental floss down and contour this. You can functionally generate the occlusion by having the patient bite, and you can treat several teeth at once, including I seal fissures with whatever's left over. I tell the patient, this stuff's too valuable. We're not going to throw it away. I'm going to put a couple of sealants on here. So having fissures clean and ready to go is one of the things we do when we're in the rinsing and conditioning process. Make sure that we're going to use that entire capsule, and I want the capsule. It's got the biggest bang for the buck, and that happens to be Voco's Ionostar Molar. Yeah, Fantastic I think, uh, material. Yeah, I think Voco has a pretty aggressive sampling program. Um, I know that they have 
advertising on vivalearning.com. But, um, and again, this is, this is not a paid for uh, podcast. Nobody's getting any money. Dr. Ewilton's not getting paid for this and we're not getting paid for it. We're offering it. This is a free podcast for everybody to listen to. And uh, there's no exchange of any kind between speaker and Viva Learning. It's information that I think is valuable to the listeners. But I do think that uh, Boco has a uh, sample program that they, they're pretty aggressive with. So if somebody wants to try it, I think they can just go to the Voco site and get a sample. Uh, does it come in individual dosage uh, packaging? Yes. Each capsule comes <laughs> in a foil envelope. And I've found uh, if these are moderate size lesions in permanent teeth, uh, it's pretty easy to do three teeth with one capsule and have enough left over for an adjacent sealant. And again, these are press finger placed, and that, that can be accessed on World Health Organization's site. If you want to just look at uh, training techniques for interim therapeutic restorations, atraumatic restorative treatment, uh, you'll find examples in videos. Also, Dr. Paul Glassman is University of Pacific. He's a lecturing professor. He's in charge of uh, public health dentistry, and he trains auxiliaries, particularly in states where it's legal, to place these, and it's a short learning curve. That's fantastic. I mean, it's a great service, especially to special needs patients, too, you know, that just cannot tolerate a long procedure or drilling or, or and you, you don't really need anesthetic, right, for this? In a modern setting, if the patient is apprehensive, and especially since we have Articane now and then the non-injectable Covidase, we're using both of those when the patient says, I, I'm not comfortable with you doing this without anesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, in most cases, if you tell the patient, it's like when mom cuts your toenails. Um, if we get too close, you let us know, just like you'd tell your mom, and here we go. We're digging the bug. We're digging the bug out. I'm going to let you see it in just a second. Ooh, look at him. He's brown. Oh, he left his dirty tennis shoes over in the corner. We've got to go back in and get those out. Okay. Kids will tolerate this very well because there's no rotary instrumentation. And as you mentioned, that mitigates some pulpal response because you don't have any heat generation. You don't have the vibration. You don't have the noise of the handpiece. No, absolutely. That's fantastic. All right, Dr. Ewaldson, again, pleasure to have you on Dental Talk, and I hope our listeners got something out of this. I think they did. And uh, we're going to have you on a future podcast very shortly. And thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you.